0: Love the full spectrum of yourself, not just the facade of perfection that we build, but also all the other rooms of the building, even the basement, even where we don't want to go.
1: Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Welcome to the Mind Valley Podcast. Today's episode is with Christina Mand Lakiani on how self-love is the beginning of a lifelong romance. Now you might recognize that last name, Lakiani. Christina is my former wife. We are friends and co-parents and business partners in several companies. And one of the most beautiful things about Christina is that we were married for 16 years. And in 2019, we did a conscious uncoupling. Now, I know some of you are thinking, isn't that just a fancy word for divorce? Actually, no. Most human beings divorce in an awful, destructive way that leads to hate and messiness and all sorts of nonsense that is not good for the human soul or your kids. We adopted a model by Catherine Woodward Thomas that basically allows us to consciously shift the way we relate to each other. We remain friends, dear friends, in fact, co-parents, supporters of each other, but we simply are no longer married and we are no longer lovers. So human relationships don't have to be put in a box. And for those of you who might judge me for the way we approach life, save your judgment. This episode is not about divorce or conscious uncoupling. Rather, it is a talk that Christina gave at Mind Valley's AFES Portugal on self-love and how the most important type of love we should seek is love from ourself. So while many people who are trapped in unhealthy relationships might be stuck there because they believe that they need to be fueled by the love of another, what you're going to learn in this beautiful session is that the ultimate love has to come from within. You will learn why self-love is not selfish and why it is essential you will learn how to become the best version of yourself so that you can improve the world around you and why self-love is essential for fulfillment. You will also learn why Oscar Wilde, who was christina 's favorite writer, said to love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong romance. So get ready for a wonderful talk on love that can come from within. Luckyani, and this is the Mind Valley podcast.
0: You know, when I heard the theme for this AFAS, expanding your influence, I had a strong feeling that I have to share what I have to share. I have to share my message. And I literally forced my team to allow me to come back on the stage (laughs) to share with you. And surprisingly, what I'm going to talk about is probably a little bit contradictory to the whole theme of the event, which is expanding your influence. And I'll try to explain why. Influence or influencing people is actually a vector. It's a force with a direction. We hope that something that we do or we are, or maybe something that we say is going to change people around us, is going to change the world. So there is that vector in it. What I'm going to talk about is a buzzword, but I hope we can go beyond the buzz, is authenticity or being yourself, being your true self. And that is an internal process. It has no direction. You cannot be authentic for someone else because it is being true to yourself, it's being yourself. So what I'm going to talk about is that, you know, the moments that you're trying to give direction to your authenticity, to show your authenticity to someone, let's say, or to make a point through being authentic, you're giving a direction to it and it loses its core, its essence of being internal process and becomes a show rather than truly authenticity. So that's what we're going to talk about, because I believe, and I'm going to make a tiny logical jump right now here, but the rest of my 28 minutes, I'm going to explain what happened in that logical jump. What I believe is that the surest way to actually influence or change the way you influence the world is when you change your relationships with yourself. And if you're in personal growth, you know the first rule of personal growth, which is that nobody can do anything with you or to you. You cannot transform, you cannot grow, you cannot learn through someone else, or you cannot make someone else do that for you. You have to do it yourself. This is the process which comes through you. So if you understand that, you know that actually whatever happens to you, you react to whatever happens in the world. People who have been in a relationship for a long time, they know that we can't change our partners. We have this whole desire to make them a little better, to teach them something. But actually what happens is that if you're in a long time in a relationship, we learn to adjust our behavior to each other. Our behaviors, but not the motivation, which is beyond that behavior. So if you take that first rule of personal growth, that you do not really change other people, then the whole idea of influence becomes in a way an illusion, And the only thing that we can change is ourselves, is the relationship with ourselves. A very simple example, if our partner, let's say, does something to us, and we feel something about that, what happens is that there is an action, and we attribute or we give it a certain meaning. We interpret it in a way which is not maybe even true, and then we react to our own interpretation. So if we look at it from this point of view, then it makes sense to actually sort out our relationships with ourselves first, before we try to have an illusion of changing the world. So what I believe is that authenticity is not really choice. It's a prerequisite for a lot of things. Being yourself, being honest with yourself, being true with yourself, actually accepting yourself and loving yourself is a prerequisite to being happy, to living a fulfilled life. And it's a prerequisite to actually having any meaningful impact on people in your life or having an influence in that matter. And the thing is that when we are born, we actually know what it is to be ourselves. And I have to warn you, we're going to talk about authenticity this whole half an hour that I'm on stage. And authenticity is not really a switch which you can switch on and switch off at will. It is more like a I don't know, cord or whatever it is attached to the parachute. When you jump out of the plane and you pull that cord, the chute opens, and that's it. You can't put it back together and get back into the plane. The same thing with authenticity, with being honest with yourself. The moment you learn it back, it doesn't go away anymore. You cannot live the old way. So this is a warning. (laughs) If you're going on that path, it's like in a movie. You're going on an adventure, and you have to go all the way through you will have to go into that scary dark cave and grow through it and then come out on the other side. The thing is that, of course, we are born authentic. We are born real. We don't put on anything to be accepted. But then with time, of course, we learn to put on masks. And this is normal. When we are kids, we are being told, you have to behave in a certain way. Please behave, be polite. So we start learning to put on the masks, to put on the mask of politeness, of civility, the mask of being interested in the person who is talking to you, sometimes the mask of being upset and angry. If you have children, you will relate. A child does something naughty, and we want to make a point, this was wrong. And we put on the mask of being upset. Mommy is angry. It's a mask. Unfortunately, we do that with grown-ups as well. We sometimes don't let go of our resentment, and we behave as we are upset with someone to make a point, to make a point that you need to change something. So we put on those masks and it is okay because we have different roles. You know, in the morning I was a student, right now I'm speaking here on stage. Sometimes I'm a mother, sometimes I'm a child. So we have those roles, we have those masks. It's fine. It is absolutely fine. The problem is that sometimes we forget what is behind them. We start identifying ourselves with those masks. And I want to talk about why do we do that? One of our strongest needs is to connect. And it is an evolutionary need, because 12,000 years ago, when we lived in, well, very much like animals, us as animals, as a biological species, we're very easy prey, very easy food. So, of course, for us, being rejected from the tribe was the matter of life or death. I'm not saying anything new here, but the thing is that evolutionarily, our biology hasn't changed so much in 12,000 years. So, of course, right now, rejection also feels like the matter of life or death. And we might say that, oh, come on, we all understand, but the truth is our biology takes it as the question of life and death. Rejection is so scary. It's so painful. So we put on the masks to be accepted. And it's fine because people who don't wear any masks who are very authentic the way they are and their expression are sometimes not very pleasant people to be around, unfortunately. So it's fine. It's fine to put on the masks, but we have to understand that that mask is actually standing between us and the connection. So Brené Brown, who I love very much, she's a researcher, she's a sociologist, she's a TED speaker and author. I'm sure a lot of people you know, her she researched what makes people feel strong connections and she discovered that people who are capable of creating strong connections are people who believe that they're worthy of love the way they are right now they believe that they're worthy of love it doesn't mean that they don't want to become better but they believe that they are still lovable they're people who have the courage to show themselves the way they are to the world and the buzzword vulnerability but the meaning that Brené Brown puts into that and it is important is this vulnerability is our ability to act despite the uncertainty of how our action is going to be taken so it's not about sharing the darkest secret about ourselves it's actually willingness to act without knowing how the world is going to receive you so for example if you're sharing a joke to ease up the mood It is an act of vulnerability. If you're approaching someone that you don't know, initiating a contact, it's an act of vulnerability. And of course, if you're sharing a dark, painful moment for the first time, it's also an act of vulnerability. I think it is important to understand what it really means, because unfortunately, both authenticity and vulnerability can be masks that we wear. And a mask is something that stands between us and a very strong human connection. So I find it paradoxical. We put on a mask so that we are accepted by the world, yet to be accepted and to truly make strong connections, we have to learn to take off the mask. And I believe that the true problem of current society is the loneliness epidemic. We live in this world where we are separated by a lot of people. We live in big cities in big buildings. In my building, we have so many people, I can't even imagine to count how many people live in the building where I live. On social media, we have hundreds, thousands of friends. Some of us have millions of followers. We learn to communicate in a certain way. Don't reply a message too fast, it's creepy. Don't write very long message, it's creepy. We live in a world of superficial, bite-sized communication. And we are so obsessed with our reach, while what we need to remember is how to connect with people, truly connect. Jay Shetty was talking about that. When you make three steps wide, you have to also go deep, not just wide. Research shows that the number one killer in the contemporary society is social isolation and loneliness, because we've unlearned the art of connecting, of truly connecting, authentically connecting, you can say that. Research shows that if we think that cancer or cardiovascular disease kill us, no, in reality, it's social isolation. Your chances of surviving cancer are much higher if you have strong connections in your life, strong, meaningful connections in your life. It is so bad that in UK, they have the ministry to deal with social isolation. I want to come back to the masks, because the masks are the things that actually separate us from connecting truly with people. And one of the masks which I think is the most dangerous is the mask of perfection. It's the mask that we put on and we associate with it. It becomes our identity. A lot of us who want to become better, we have a beautiful picture of what it is to be the best version of me. And it is good. I'm in business of helping people to transform and grow. I want people to want... To be a better version of ourselves. But the thing is that when we wear it as a mask and associate with that, there are a lot of dangers. For example, I'm an enlightened human being. I believe in love and I live love. How can I not like that person? No, it's impossible. I believe in love I cannot not like that person. What do we do? We resort to a very old classical escape mechanism, reaction formation. We pretend that we like that person. We behave as if we like that person. We try to convince ourselves rather than dealing with a question, why does this person trigger that feeling in me? Rather than being honest with ourselves, right? Another example, I'm a strong person, I'm optimistic, I've been through so much and I'm still standing How can this little insignificant problem make me feel so bad? It's impossible. I'm an optimist. Shake it off. You know, push through. Anybody who understands psychology knows that these methods not only do not work, they're actually dangerous because they undermine our emotional well-being. So what I'm trying to drive at is if we have that mask, Of perfectionism that we associate with, it has those dangerous places where we're going to ignore certain things which don't fit that picture of perfection. This is not what I want to be. I don't want to associate with that. So what do we do? We put it in the closet. We close the door and we stuff this closet with more and more feelings like that. And that's how over time we forget what we truly are because we don't acknowledge what we feel to the end. I love this saying by Ken Wilber. He said, we have a weird obsession about the light side, everything light and beautiful. But if we acknowledge the fact that everything came from one source, whether you believe in God or universe or Big Bang, whatever you believe in, if we acknowledge the fact that everything came from one source, then why do we demonize the dark? So when I'm talking about being authentic, I'm talking about being honest with yourself and learning to love yourself, love yourself. The full spectrum of yourself, not just the facade of perfection that we build, but also all the other rooms of the building, even the basement, even where we don't want to go. So I want to share a story with you. I was born in Soviet Union, and in Soviet Union, we didn't believe much in individuals. We had a system. Individuals were part of the system. And luckily, it's a life of a pet. You know, the system tells you how to be successful. So I had this, what I call, Hermione syndrome. I had to be successful by the scenario that the system gave me. I studied well. I went to a good university. I got a good degree. I got a good job. I got married. And statistically, we are supposed to have two children. I have two children, (laughs) a boy and a girl. Hmm. Statistically, correct. By the age of 40, I had built a perfect life. A work that I love. I truly love my work. Business, family, travels, meaningful life. But I realized that the only place where I can afford myself to acknowledge that maybe I'm struggling with certain emotions, maybe I'm not that happy, maybe there is something about me which I don't understand how to deal with that. The only place where I could acknowledge that was when I went to the bathroom and locked the door and nobody could see me because my picture, my mask of perfection didn't have space for messed up me. I couldn't afford to show it to anyone. And that, unfortunately, unraveled a very long process of (laughs) self-discovery. How do you know who had to dig? At that time, last year, at 40, I decided I'm done. I'm done feeling guilty and ashamed for what I am. It's time I accept myself for what I am, because I can become better, yes. I can become better, but I cannot become better if I don't acknowledge where I am right now, if I don't accept what I have to work with. And to accept means also to actually be honest and actually see what you have to work with. So how do you know where to dig? Usually the places where we align to ourselves. Because trust me, 16 years in personal growth, I know that most of us, most of us believe that we are honest with ourselves. We understand ourselves. We know ourselves. That's what I felt last year. I was sincere. I still am. But the truth is that sometimes the deception, that's the essence of deception, the self-deception is about us not even realizing that sometimes we are not living our own lives. So my life last year started unraveling. My beautiful facade of perfect life started breaking into pieces. I had a Disney castle. It was made out of Legos. Lego pieces are still there, intact. I'm putting it back together. I'm not sure what will come out of that, but I believe maybe a spaceship. Definitely not a Disney castle. And, you know, I'm actually much happier. I still don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of uncertainty. But one thing that makes me happy, I can just be myself. I don't have to pretend. That's the easiest thing. I don't need to do anything. I didn't need to prove. I don't need to show. I can just be myself. So easy, so liberating. So Susan David, I love her. She is a psychologist. She has a beautiful book called Emotional Agility. It should be a must-read in every school. So Susan David has a very interesting idea. We cannot judge emotions. The moment when you feel something and you tell yourself, oh, no, I shouldn't be feeling like that. You know, I shouldn't be liking that person. Or you lose a job and you're actually feeling excited about the new opportunities rather than feeling scared. Society expects you to feel scared or any feeling where everybody's happy and you feel uneasy, or everybody is sad and you feel actually at peace. Every time you tell yourself, I shouldn't be feeling that, that's where you should dig, (laughs) because that's the place where you can find out such interesting things about yourself. And Susan David talks about that. There are no right or wrong emotions. Don't put pluses and minuses to them. Good, bad, positive, negative. Emotions just are You know, emotions are given to us the same way that pain is given to our physical body. There is a condition when you can't feel pain, and it is a disease, because if you don't feel physical pain, you can go out on a jog, lose a limb, and not notice that. The same way with our emotions, we're given emotions to pay attention to certain parts of our life. And the moment when we judge them, we are not dealing with why they're given to us. So how do you the path to uncovering yourself is notice the times when you tell yourself, I shouldn't be feeling like that. I have two children. I love them. I really love them. But when I come to events like that, I'm most immersed in work and I enjoy it. I enjoy it to the point where I cannot even remember that I have children for four days. Before, I would feel cognitive dissonance. I shouldn't be feeling like that. I'm a bad mom. Now I just accept the fact that contrary to my own expectations, work is super important to me. We find those places to dig into in areas which are charged with strong emotions. It's often relationships, unfortunately. It's very often our sexuality, our emotional expression. For a woman, young woman, to decide that children is not her path is a scary choice, it's a scary decision, because that's not what society expects from her. For a young man to decide that he doesn't want to earn money is a scary thing. And why should he if he doesn't want? So what I'm urging you is that every time when you catch yourself thinking, oh, I shouldn't be feeling like that, go deeper. You might discover a lot of interesting things about yourself. So... There are a few tools that you will need to deal with that process. The first one would be to actually learn to deal with pain, learn to deal with negative. I'm sharing some of my teachers because I can't go deep into these topics. I don't have enough time. Galen Tupton, one of the APHES speakers, he talks beautifully about dealing with pain. Susan David and Brene Brown, to whom I have referred, they are also amazing dealing with pain. A person who taught me courage, you would need courage is actually (laughs) Harv And another interesting thing you will need, and that's the scariest, is to communicate your new you to the world. And this is the guy, he's a personal friend, he's a teacher, unfortunately, he teaches only in Russian, but he teaches the open dialogue principles. It's not about radical honesty, it's about honesty with yourself and also a healthy way to communicate with the world. So let me come back to what happens next after you find your path to yourself after you discover who you truly are, after you realize that the life that you have built might not be completely what you want, It's communicating that to the world, and that's the scary part. Because we are afraid to hurt people that we love. And the thing with hurt, it's very interesting. You see, if you're a parent, you would relate to that, but people who don't have children but have people that they love in their life, they would also relate to that. When a child is born, a parent wants that child to be happy. So what do we do? We do everything that the child doesn't feel pain. We protect them from pain. Yet all of us understand that pain is an inevitable part of life. It's going to happen, whether we like it or not. No matter how enlightened and smart we are, it's going to happen. So why do we deprive our children of the ability to learn how to cope with something inevitable in a safe environment? And we do it to our loved ones all the time. We try to protect our loved ones from pain, sacrificing our own truth, thinking that if we pretend, thinking that if we sacrifice our happiness, that the people around us are going to be happier. The thing about pain is, unfortunately, we all have our own journeys, and sometimes our journeys need to teach us a lesson, and we have to go through them. And if somebody comes and helps you, To avoid that lesson, guess what will happen? You will get it anyway, again. (laughs) So that's the thing. Unfortunately, sometimes in life we have to take things philosophically. And I have this weird thing about me. I try to look about everything in life philosophically. I identify myself as everyday life philosopher. So how do you communicate your truth to the loved ones, knowing that it might hurt them? That's actually the scary moment about being true to yourself. What do you choose? To compromise what's important to you so that your loved ones don't feel hurt? Or to stay true to your truth and actually witness your loved ones going through pain? When me and Vision decided to separate, apart from that being a very complicated emotional process for both of us, the thing that I was most scared of was telling my parents and my children. And of course, my mom didn't take it very well she was in denial. She was upset. She tried to convince me that I'm wrong. Well, we are wrong essentially because it was a mutual decision. We heard a lot that comment, you guys, what are you doing? You're going to hurt people in your life. What do you do in that moment? Do you stay true to what you know is important for you? So it was hard with my mom. I didn't want to Talk to her for a while because I knew that if I talk to her, I'm going to try to convince her that I'm right, to convince her to feel differently about what's happening. But on the other hand, I also understood that what she's going through is her own reaction to what I and Vision have decided. It's not about me and Vision anymore. Something we decided had triggered something in her. And it is her own journey. It is her own pain because in All honesty, nothing changed for her in her life at all. So for a week, I didn't dare to talk to her. And sure enough, in a week, she called. She called it. she said, you know, Christina, I started thinking about my own life. And I realized that for 25 years, I chose, not chose, I was afraid to make the choice to stay true to what I am. And for 25 years, I would lock up myself in the bathroom, like I did, to cry. Was it worth it? She said, You know, after I understood that, I understand that what you're doing is brave. And even if the whole world is against you, I'm going to support your choice. And that call, that was something which I needed to hear. Because, of course, I was doubting if what we chose, if what we knew, we knew that it was important for us, if we are doing the right thing, knowing that people in our lives are going to be hurt. So, not to make it too gloomy, (laughs) years ago, I used to work with refugees. Refugees in Asia have really sad stories. They usually lose everything in their lives, including their loved ones. And so I saw a lot of misery, obviously, on one side. On the other side, me and Vision were building up Mind Valley. And Mind Valley is all about, you know, helping people to live more fulfilled, extraordinary, happy lives. I'm the person who teaches how to be happy. So I had this cognitive dissonance in my head all the time: misery, happy. How do I marry them? And once Vishen was talking on the same stage with Dalai Lama, and I was lucky to ask that question to Dalai Lama because Vishnu was speaking with him, so we had the audience. And he said, Christina, you can't help anyone if you're not happy. So if you choose not to be happy for the sake of someone, remember, you can't help anyone if you're not happy. And a prerequisite to happiness is being honest with yourself, is being yourself Truly yourself, being authentic yourself. It's a prerequisite for happiness. So, what I want to finish it with guys, please be happy. Thank you.
1: So, if you enjoyed that episode by Christina, go check out her new quest with Mind Valley. This is a 30 day program to get you to truly unleash your own authenticity, to live by your own rules, and to master the act of self love. It is a remarkable program, and you can find it at mindvalley.com forward slash ownrules. That's forward slash O-W-N-R-U-L-E-S. The program is a 30-day program. Now, let me explain what that means. The beauty of Mindvalley Quest and why we have one of the highest completion rates for online programs in the world is that you don't go deep into an eight-hour program. Rather, a program starts on a specific day, You join in with fellow students and every day for five to 20 minutes, you learn a piece of the program. These pieces build up over around 30 days as we install new mindsets, identity shifts and behaviors. All of this on the Mind Valley app. When you complete the 30 days, you would have gone through a remarkable life upgrade. So again, if you found this speech interesting, please go and check out Christina's new program on Mind Valley mindvalley.com forward slash own rules. Thank you. And I'll see you next week on the Mindvalley podcast. I'm Vishen Lakhiani, and this is the Mindvalley podcast.